So Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we talked about last week that word be filled is in a linear tense, and it literally means be ye being filled. It's a constant process in the life of a believer. The indwelling we will always have. We have the very moment we trust Christ as our Savior. The fullness is not getting more of Him. It's uh, it's us giving the Holy Spirit more uh, room to work in our lives. It's yielding to His leadership. It is us following Him. And that's what uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is. So let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. We'll review a little and get right into the study. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you so much for the Holy Spirit of God and the powerful resources he brings to us as believers the very second we trust Christ as our Savior. Uh, Lord, without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we would have no assurance of our salvation because the Bible tells us he is the earnest of our salvation. So the very signature of us being saved is the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God in the life of every single believer. And since we have that ability to sense his presence and to uh, listen to his leadership, Lord, we know that we are God's children because the very fact that he lives inside of us and he speaks to us and he comforts us and he guides us and he guides us into all truth. And Lord, we thank you for that. Now bless this study that we have tonight. Let it not just be academic, let it be transformational. Uh, Let the truth of the Word of God find a home in our heart and help us develop a brand new uh, relationship with the Holy Spirit that will help us in our everyday living. And I pray this now in Jesus' name, amen. So as we looked about the fullness of the Holy Spirit, and we read many verses last week as our introduction and sort of gave a little review of those verses, we came to five conclusions that we taught on. And the first is the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit. What the fullness of the Spirit was is not, is what I taught on last week. So it's not the initial indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Because uh, before Acts ever came about, Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, and the Bible in the book of John, Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive ye the Holy Spirit. So the disciples had the indwelling before the disciples had the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the, on the day of Pentecost. Secondly, it's not a one-time event. It happens chapter 2, chapter 4, many different chapters throughout the book of Acts you're going to find where disciples are full of the Holy Spirit of God. And so it's not a one-time event. It would be a wonderful thing, as we talked about last week, that uh, we'd love to have the Christian life full of one-time events. Fortunately, our salvation is it. It's the only one-time event. But uh, our uh, yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, we have to do that on a regular basis. There may have been a time in your life where you yielded the best you knew how, but you're going to find you've got to revisit that on many occasions rededicating your life. I remember as a young man going to the altar so often when God would speak to my heart and many different times I'd rededicate my life to Christ. I I felt like I was close, but I felt like I was not as close as I had been 
on other occasions. So I would uh, renew those vows I made with the Lord. And that, by the way, that's a good thing for a believer to do from time to time is the Holy Spirit's going to let you know when he, when he feels and he senses that you're drifting on him and uh, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. That was not just a songwriter uh, coming up with new uh, words. That, that was the experience of a Christian life. The Apostle Paul talks about that in Acts, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 7. And so we're going to find we need to do that from time to time. And so the Holy Spirit will uh, speak to us. So uh, the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not a one-time event. We need to constantly be asking for the Holy Spirit's fullness in our life. I would say on a daily basis. I know I try to for many, many, oh goodness, 30 years or more since uh, I'd first heard this study uh, every single day, many times a day, I would be praying for the Holy Spirit's fullness and the Holy Spirit's leadership. And, and I, don't, I don't know that I got more because I asked, but uh, I, I will say this, because I asked, I was more sensitive to his leadership, more sensitive to the need to be full of the Holy Spirit of God. Thirdly, it's not the impartation of speaking in tongues. Acts chapter 2, we see that they spoke in other tongues, or as we said, languages is what the word is. And the Bible tells us that all these Jews that assembled from every part of heaven in Jerusalem, it says, we hear the wonderful things of God in our own language. And so it was a supernatural gift of a Gentile language given to Jews to share the gospel in Gentile languages. And uh, we'll talk more about that at a later study. And then the fourth thing is not an experience only for the early church. Uh, someone say, oh yeah, you know, back in the New Testament they had that, but we don't have that anymore. Oh yes, we do. Uh, God, I am the Lord thy God, I change not. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, never try to negate gifts that you might not have or you can't explain, uh, but especially the fullness of the Holy Spirit of God. That is for everyone. And we read the verse in Joel that would say, in the latter days, your old men would dream dreams and your young men would see visions. And that's just what God wants to fill his children with the Holy Spirit of God and them to be yielded to the Spirit. And then finally, a Christian receiving more of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, sometimes we'll say, have you got more of the Holy Spirit? And that's a figurative, te- uh, figurative language because the Holy Spirit is a person. Now, he is uh, incorporeal, as, as we mentioned. That's a uh, theolo- theolog- theological term that simply means without a body. God is spirit, and they that worship the Lord must worship him in spirit and truth. Jesus Christ is the only trinity that became in, in, uh, became a one with flesh. Uh, when Jesus was in, uh, incorporated into human flesh, he's 100% God, 100% man, and I believe that's exactly how we will see him in heaven, but not God the Father. Now, will we see an image? I think so, but it is not going to be two, le- two arms, two legs, one nose, two ears. It's not going to be like us. Uh, we may see... 
uh, an image of the Father. You say, why would you say that? Well, because in the Old Testament we have people who uh, uh, God showed himself to. Remember, even Moses, he put him in the cleft of the rock, rock of ages, cleft for me. He put him in the cleft of the rock, put his hand over it, and then uh, the Lord walked by, and then he removed his hand so that Moses could see the back of God. Wow, that's pretty amazing. What did he see? Well, he didn't describe it. And that's a good thing because had he described it, man would have certainly built some image accordingly and worshipped it. And God does not want us to worship any image uh, of any God, uh, particularly none of him. Now, let's look at the, what, what the Bible says the fullness of the Holy Spirit is then. So we looked at what it's not. Let's look at what it is. It is, first of all, an endowment of power, an endowment of power. In Luke chapter 24 and verse 49, Jesus is uh, speaking to his disciples here, and this is after the resurrection. He says, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. So he already had, they already had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit because it's John chapter 20 after the resurrection where Jesus breathes on them and says, receive ye the Holy Spirit. But now he says, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. So I want us to understand that the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Every Christian who's trusted Christ as their personal Savior uh, has the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. And that's any Christian anywhere in any continent in any uh, nationality. We invite Christ in our life. In that moment, we become saved. We become God's child. And the Spirit of God takes up residence in us. Uh, Hebrews 8, 9, If any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. So if we do not have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, we certainly are not Christians. But if we become Christians, then the Holy Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. Now, could he do that and a person not be aware of that? Of course that can happen. Sure it can. Uh, because you don't have to understand all the teaching of the Holy Spirit or the Bible on the Holy Spirit before you come to faith in Christ. As a nine-year-old boy, I didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. I, didn't, I just knew about heaven and hell and Jesus dying for my sins. And that was about the scope of my theology. I, I knew nothing else. If you talked about sanctification, I'd look at you like, uh, I've, I've never been to that city. I, I live in Clarksville. What do you mean sanctification? What, what, I, I wouldn't have a clue what they were talking about. And a lot, I would say there's a good number of people in our church. They've been saved a little while or they've been saved for a long time. They just never have grown very much. And so you could mention a lot of things that they wouldn't necessarily know much about it. If you said, write me a paper on redemption, it could be a very short sentence. Uh, redemption is an interesting word. And that might be the end of that uh, whatever. So we don't always have to have the knowledge of those things. So uh, as we grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, of course, we learn and we learn about the Holy Spirit of God. It's an endowment with power. The Holy Spirit of God. So, with that being said, let me say this. 
We as believers are not to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. We are not to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. First of all, if you try to, you're going to be greatly uh, discouraged because we cannot live the Christian life in the power of the flesh. We'll find ourselves failing, be one failure after another failure after another failure. It is only as we look to the Holy Spirit of God are we empowered for victory. So the endowment with power comes from the Holy Spirit of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and the uttermost ends of the earth. So, uh, that endowment of power came in chapter 2. It was mentioned in chapter 1. It was promised in uh, Luke chapter 24. And so that power that comes from the Holy Spirit of God, that is God in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory, the Holy Spirit. Another word is the Spirit of Christ. Uh, why is that? Well, because the Trinity is so intertwined, it's just hard to pull them apart separately. You can talk about different characters of their personhood, but there's one Godhood, so the constant weave that goes throughout the triune God is it's one, he's three in one, one God. And so the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ, is just another title given to him. Acts chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Now keep in mind, they did not speak in tongues there, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and they were filled with boldness. And because of that, chapter 5 of Acts is a powerful chapter. And when you start seeing what the Holy Spirit starts doing in the life of the believers. Uh, the Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, but many scholars have said that it could have been called the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit started working in believers' lives, and no wonder they turned the world upside down. And such an amazing, amazing things took place in, in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 4, verse 33. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. Now this took place in the city of Jerusalem. And the Bible says, with great power. And that Greek word power, there is the word dunamos. It's the word from which we get dynamite. And uh, you know... If you light a fuse of dynamite and just throw it in the midst of a crowd, it's going to create a lot of excitement. <laughs> and people are going to be looking for windows to jump through or doors to run through or pews to hide behind and covering your ears. It's, you are not going to be, um, you know, just like, oh, indifferent. You know, say, oh, that's interesting. I wonder what that is. Dynamite. Oh, that... Uh, it changes your perspective, dunamis. And someone said many years ago at a message, I recall uh, pretty pointedly, that uh, that's what God expects every Bible-believing church to be, a little bit like dynamite in their area. 
In other words, not easily ignored. Not because we're making a name for ourselves. Not that it's about us as a church. But it is about Jesus, the founder of the church, the foundation of the church, the one through whom the church is uh, espoused to. We are the bride of Christ, and we will be married uh, to Christ throughout eternity. And so uh, we ought to be an exciting church in an area, and people ought to know that a church is alive and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And so praise the Lord for that. This morning I was at Chamber and I don't know, 60 or more people were there and I was able to give invitations to the program we'll have. And one of those was uh, Craig Danielson who owns uh, Danielson's Thriftway, which now is Safeway. He just owns the land now and rents that out to all the, he owns the land and the buildings, I guess. And then he, he leases it out to different places. And I was reminding everyone that uh, 35 years ago, our church grew out of the carpenter's hall. We needed more space. And Craig Danielson gave us an area in the Thriftway Shopping Center uh, to use for our teens. And so they would meet over there and then they'd walk about a block and a half to the carpenter's hall for the Sunday morning service. And he did that for many years. And then finally that was rented out. So he gave us another space to use for many years. And so what a blessing that was. And um, I was just reminding him that. And he said, Pastor, he said, do you, do you have a business card? Well, I only took two and I gave one in t- to uh, somebody at the chamber. So I, I wouldn't ask for it back. And then I gave it to him. He said, I'm, I'm going to send you $5,000 for your gym fund. I said, well, praise the Lord. I'm going to take a bunch of cards next time just for <laughs> Craig. What a blessing. That's the third time he's done that to give to our gym. He, he loves our church. Um, uh, the first time he did that, he said, Pastor, he said, how is it that your church has grown all these years? God, is, God has done something. Grandview has grown all these years and been such a blessing. And he said, none of the others have. I said, well, Craig, you know, God's just been good to us. What can I tell you? He's, he's, he's growing his church right now. I'm blessed every single Sunday. Good to see the, the Lord continuing to have his hand of blessing upon our church, upon our pastor. And I hope you're like me and pray for our pastor and his family every single night. Uh, because that's what we have to have, God's presence the power of the Holy Spirit of God so that every lesson, every sermon, every song, everything that we endeavor to do for the cause of Christ has to be touched by the Spirit of God. All is vain unless the Spirit of the Holy One come down. See, we can speak to the head, we can speak to the ears, but only the Holy Spirit of God can speak to the heart. And that's what we got to have is that while people are preaching and teaching and singing and ministering and loving on people, that God does something inside of people. And praise God, we got to have that. Got to have that. So amazing. Um, so many stories I could tell you about all that God's doing there, but I'll, I'll hasten on. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19 and 20. But I will come to you shortly if the Lord will. 
and will know not the speech of them that are puffed up, but the power. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. Not in word, but in power. Now, I'm all for a very good exegesis of Scripture, but we have to understand that every preaching and every sermon and every, every song and everything we do, if it's not empowered with the Holy Spirit of God, it's just information. And that's all it is. And today we have information given out, sometimes in churches, and it's good information, but every, they're just as dead as a doornail. Because only the Holy Spirit of God breathes life, just like God breathed life into Adam after he made him out of mud and clay. We built something out of stone and building and drywall, but unless God meets in this building when we assemble together, we're, we're gathering in vain. We're wasting our time. But praise God, I don't think I've ever been to a service I've felt like I've been wasting my time. I should say here at Grandview, I have been, well, that's another story. I won't, I won't tell you that. It is an endowment of power. Secondly, it's an endowment for a purpose. Why empower us? Why empower teaching and preaching and singing and fellowship and, and, and things we do as believers? Why do we need this power of God on our life? Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Witnesses unto me. The power of the Holy Spirit is for witnessing and sharing our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Many years ago, I was pastoring in uh, Arkansas, and I was knocking on doors trying to lead some people to Christ. That particular day, I had two or three people come to faith in Christ. It was let me say for Arkansas, it was an extremely good day, extremely good day to find that many people to admit they're lost and they got saved, and it was a blessing. And, and so I was walking down the road, and a lady was coming to get her mail at her mailbox, and I gave her an invitation and talked to her a little while. I said, ma'am, uh, do you know if you uh, died today, you'd go to heaven? Are you born again? She says, I'm saved, I'm sealed, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost since I was four. I said, well, that's pretty remarkable. I mean, only John the Baptist has you beat. He was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb, so, you know, only beat her by four years. That's pretty amazing. At four years old, I I don't think I knew anything about Jesus, but um, I said, well, that's remarkable. And she she said, are you filled with the Holy Spirit, O God? And I said, well, ma'am, I pray about it every single day, and I ask for his guidance. I ask for him to fill me and lead me and guide me and use me. She said, well, I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I said, well, great. You must be some witnessing machine. And she goes, huh? And I said, well, you know, the book of Acts says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost shall come upon you and you shall be witnessing. And so you're full of the Holy Spirit. You must be a witnessing machine. And she goes, uh, uh, I said, uh, have you got to lead anybody to Christ this week? And she said, uh, and I said, well, oh, I'm sorry, ma'am. I don't want to put you on the spot. Have you led someone to Christ this month? 
Uh, well, let, let me just rephrase it. Have you led anyone to Christ this year? Uh, I said, uh, pardon me, ma'am, let me just say it this way. Have you ever led anyone to Christ? Uh, I said, ma'am, I don't know what you think the fullness of the Holy Spirit is. But it's not to make you feel good. It's so lost sinners can get saved and feel good they're going to heaven. See, it's not for us. You can be full of the Holy Spirit of God and still have heartbreak and hardships and tragedies and reversals and pain and full of the Holy Spirit. The Apostle Paul was, and yet he had a thorn in the flesh, right? And he asked God three times removing. God said, no, no, it's okay. My grace is sufficient. You just go ahead and suffer with it. We are not going to live better than the Apostle Paul did. So the fullness of the Holy Spirit is not about us feeling good. It is empowering a message. Paul said it this way. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. Wow. That's what it's about, the power. It's when you share the gospel. And by the way, it's not how well you share it. It's not how well you share it. It's not like, you know, I'm going to learn how to share it good enough. No, no, no. The power is never in the presentation. It's in the message itself, the gospel. The life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, it's in what Christ did for us. That Therein lies the power of the gospel. It's in the message of Christ. It's not how good the message is declared. You know what they said about Paul? His speech is contemptible. Now, you and I, we read, we say, boy, he must be a great preacher. Well, yeah, but that's not what they said about him. Now, I should say that was his critics talking, okay, his critics. But they said his speech is contemptible, his bodily presence is weak. He doesn't look like much. Doesn't sound like much. But he said, when I come before you, I'm not coming so you hear the speech, but the gospel is not in word, but in power. I'm going to come to you in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And that is what makes the difference. And so, uh, you know, I'm all for uh, making everything look nice and let's present the best face we have. But let's always realize, unless the power of the Holy Spirit come down, we're meeting in vain. And our needs are not going to be met. Our life is not going to be challenged. So we've got to have the Holy Spirit. And by the way, that's why you pray for your pastor. Because uh, he's got a lot to do and we need to uphold him like, um, you know, Moses' arms up in the air. We're like Aaron and her and we need to hold him up in prayer so that the power of the Holy Spirit will flow through him. Why? Because our families need it. Our lives need it. We need that preaching and teaching with the Holy Spirit's power. Acts chapter 2, verse 11, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Okay, here, Acts chapter 2, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. What did they do? They spake the wonderful works of God. 
That's what it was. It's not, it's not about us feeling good. It's sharing the gospel. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. That is the conclusion of the day of Pentecost. That is the result. How do you know the power of the Spirit of God is happening? People get saved. People get saved. People get baptized. People make decisions. How tragic it would be to have church week after week after week after week after week and nobody gets saved. Praise God here at Grandview, we're always seeing people get saved. They're getting saved in the auditorium. They get saved in children's church. They get saved in the teen church. Uh, They're not getting saved in the nursery, but they're trying. Uh, (laughs) They're probably witnessing to those babies every once in a while. But people are coming to life. You see, a church is a nursery. Years ago, I used to hear that the church is a spiritual hospital. But very early on in my ministry, I said, well, that's true, but I want to be the maternity ward. That's where the excitement is. There's no joy in the cancer ward. There's no joy in the ICU room. But boy, when, when you get around the maternity, you hear those nurses say, we had four today. And the next shift says, we're going for five. We're going to induce labor. We're going to have five babies in our shift. You know, it's because it's that's where the joy is. Life, new life. And that's what hospitals are, spiritual. And that's what we want to be, a spiritual incubator. And we want to see people born again and grow in the Lord. And praise God they're doing that. So this fullness is always accompanied by Christians sharing their faith in Christ to save others, resulting in a significant response of salvations. Acts chapter 6, verse 10 And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Now this is Stephen preaching. He's not a pastor. He's not an evangelist. Uh, if, If we look at it, we'd say, well, he's one of the early deacons. And probably so. Chosen to help the pastor. But he's preaching. And they were not able to resist the spirit. Not his well-speaking. He was not trained uh, to be an oracle, to be a great messenger. But the Holy Spirit of God, the Bible says he was full of the Holy Spirit. That was one of the prerequisites to being a deacon, is being full of the Spirit of God. So it's an endowment of power. It's an endowment for a purpose. And then thirdly, it's a yielding of oneself completely to God. Yielding yourself completely to God. The Bible says in the Old Testament, I will pour water on him that is thirsty. And one thing I learned, if you want to be full of the Holy Spirit of God, the very first thing you've got to learn to do is get thirsty. Get thirsty. You've got to want more than what you're enjoying right now. You've got to want more. Someone preached a sermon on how do you walk on water, and the first point was you've got to get tired of boat life. (laughs) You want to get outside the boat to walk on water. At least Peter got a few steps in, right? So we've got to get thirsty. We've got to want 
God to do something in our life. We want to look and, and see what God did and say, oh God, please do it again. Please do it again. Many, many years ago, I heard this statement. The power of God on a person's life is, is the hardest thing to get and the easiest thing to lose. Hardest thing to get, easiest thing to lose. It's hard to die to self. And then when the Holy Spirit does use you, it's easy to take some of the credit. And that's the surest way to lose his power in your life is start taking the credit that belongs to God and him alone. A great mentor of mine many years ago used to say, if you can live without it, you will. But when you get to the place you cannot live without it, you can have it. Now, I don't have Bible verses for that, so pardon me for saying that, but I just took that for what, it, what the face value was. And I can say as a young man, I knew what it was to walk around every auditorium I've ever preached in and ask God for power and blessing and fullness. I know what that is. I know what that hunger is for. Uh, my mentor used to say he would walk through his church late at night and sometimes shout out, where is the God of Elijah? Just like Elisha did when he grabbed his mantle and came up to the River Jordan. Where is the God of Elijah? And then he struck it on the River Jordan and the River Jordan parted its ways. Folks, we don't want power to display. It's not about us. It's not about God magnifying a man. It's about God magnifying a message about the God-man, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We want God's power so the message is, is heard clearly and powerfully and brings conviction and brings conversion. And so that's what it's for. The yielding of oneself complete to God, and that's where it all starts. You see, if the Holy Spirit of God has to be, has, if we want the Holy Spirit to work in our life, we've got to give him room. We've got to empty self. Self fills so much of us, so much of us. And I'm just like everybody else, self. Boy, that's my biggest enemy right there. I got to fight self because I got to give the Holy Spirit of God room. I got to die to self. And the more I die to self, the more I can live for God. The more I can yield to the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 1, verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women, Mary and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Now, this is talking about a 10-day prayer meeting they had before the day of Pentecost came, around, came about. You ever been in a 10-day prayer meeting? Well, no, I, I've never, never have. I've been in all-night prayer meetings. I've, I've prayed for two or three days before but I've never had a 10-day prayer meeting. Maybe that's something we miss sometimes is the ingredients. You've got to put something in before you get something out. 
and they put the time in. But they were instructed by God, tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power. But they weren't playing checkers, just waiting around. They were praying. They were beseeching. They were begging. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Acts chapter 4, verse 24, And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Acts four thirty one. And when they had prayed, you see, it always involves prayer. In prayer, we allow our desire and yielding to be seen by God. And he, in turn, is who, in his own good timing, brings the fullness that gets the job done for him. Okay, so, when you're trying to be filled with the Spirit of God, you are not seeking an experience for an experience's sake. And you're not seeking an experience that you heard somebody else had. What God wants to do in your life is going to be very individual to you. But whoever you are as a believer, you ought to have the knowledge that the blessings of God are on your life, not because you deserve it, not because you're worthy, but because you've simply asked the Holy Spirit to enable you, to empower you, so that you might be productive for the cause of Christ. And let me say, when that takes place, it's going to bleed over into every other area of your life. He's not just going to make you a good soul winner. He's going to make you a good husband, a good wife, a good son, a good daughter, a good citizen, a good church member, a good Sunday school teacher. He's going to help you because... His enablement is not going to be so specific. He helps you in one single little area of your life. No, no, the, the Holy Spirit is going to touch every single area of your being. And it's going to make all the difference in the world. So whatever energy you put into yielding to the Holy Spirit of God, it will pay dividends that compound over and over and over and over. Now, there's four important factors in receiving the Holy Spirit's fullness. And that's what we're going to look at next Wednesday, because we'll have a little more time. And so come with an expectation of hearing, how, how could that happen in my life? I'll share with you four important ingredients. And no one ever gets the Holy Spirit's fullness without adding these things in. There may be others, but these four you'll need. And they're going to help you. And it's going to help you be helpful for the cause of Christ. It's, it's, you, you'll see God operating differently in your life than he's ever dealt with before. So in other words, um, when the Holy Spirit of God's working in your life, you might have someone from Caesarea knock on your door saying, an angel told me to look you up. And Peter says, what's this about? Well, you'll have to talk to my master. He saw a vision and it said, come and get you. You're going to be amazed how God sets you up to lead people to Christ. And it's going to be such a blessing. It's going to be such a wonderful thing. 
that you're just there and God did it all and people get saved. What a blessing. Let me end with these two short stories. Uh, several weeks ago, I was in, a, a, in California uh, preaching at two different uh, churches. And so I was preaching in one church, and I, I think I shared this on Wednesday night, that there was this lady who was 97 years of age, and she was in a wheelchair. And uh, very... Um, very smart and uh, had all her faculties and and so um, her her uh, uh, son-in-law was wheeling her out and I stopped and talked to her and I said you know you've probably been in church a long time most of your life and she she nods her head and I said you probably came to Christ when you were real young and she didn't answer anything but she's just moving her head around and her son-in-law then took her to the car. And uh, the lady's daughter came to me and said, Pastor, she's not a Christian. I said, what? No, she's not a believer. Everybody's witness to her. The pastor, the pastor's wife, we have. She won't get saved. I said, really? I said, I'm sorry to hear that. And she was turned away and then... It was just, I don't know, it was like the Holy Spirit said, talk to her. So I said, I'm going to go talk to her. So I, I cut across the churchyard, went into the parking lot, and she was just about to get into the back seat of a, of a car. And I went up and I knelt down beside her wheelchair. I said, you know, I mentioned it was so glad to have you today. And I just wanted to again say, I am so glad you came to church today. She says, well, thank you. I enjoyed it. And I said, ma'am, has there ever been a time in your life where, where you know that you've invited Jesus into your life to be your Savior? And she said, no. I said, I bet you want to go to heaven, don't you? She said, yes. And I said, would you be willing to invite Jesus into your heart? She said, yes, I would. So I just talked to her a little bit about what it means. And then I led her in a prayer and she prayed and trusted Christ as her Savior. And her daughter came up to the car and I said, your mama just got saved. She just invited Jesus in her life. And she just started bawling like a baby. She was so happy. It's just an amazing thing. I was in another church after that. At this, I think this was in New Mexico. And I preached a sermon and it's a missions conference. And so I'm preaching about giving to missions, giving to missions. And, and then I was just about ready to turn over. And I thought, you know, I, there may be somebody say, lost here. I said, let's just bow our heads for just a minute. I said, I appreciate the response to the missions program. But uh, maybe there's someone here that doesn't know for sure that if they died, they'd go to heaven. Is there anyone like this? And you say, I'd, I'd want to go to heaven, Pastor. I really do. Is there anyone? Could I pray for you? Would you raise your hand? And there's a lady on the second row, and she got, she's got her eyes open. She's going like this. And she's got two daughters beside her, and one of them is raising her hand too. I said, wonderful. I said, Pastor, will you take over? And he took over because they're going to take up pledged cards and stuff. So I went. I said, ma'am, 
do you want Jesus as your Savior? She said, yes, I do. I just talked to her a little bit. I said, let's bow and pray so you can invite Christ in your life. She did. Her two daughters did. She gave her life to Christ. Let me just say, it's, it's fun when the Holy Spirit sets you up. Amen. And you're going to find, when, you, when you're yielded to the Holy Spirit, God is going to send people your way because he believes you'll talk to them. If God put a sinner by most Christians, the, the sinner would still never hear the message. That's why we got to be yielded to the Spirit, because we don't want to share the message. <laughs> but the Holy Spirit does, and he won't leave us alone till we do. And so you're going to see the Holy Spirit just transform your life. Next week we'll look at four ingredients, and I trust that would be a blessing. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the challenge. Heavenly Father, how I need the Holy Spirit's fullness in my own life, dear Lord. I feel like a leaky basket so many times. Holy Spirit of God, please, please fill me with thy spirit. Please help me to yield to you in every single area. And Lord, be with these dear Christians here tonight. They want that in their life as well. Lord, uh, they're wonderful, godly people. And no doubt, Holy Spirit, you're already doing a great work in and through their lives. But Lord, help us all to be even more so yielded. Holy Spirit of God, what could happen? What could happen in our lives if we just yielded a little more and let you rule and reign a little more, Holy Spirit of God, please, Speak to our hearts and help us to yield. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet. Heads are bowed. If God's speaking to your heart, you can pray where you are. And you can ask the Lord to do something in your life. God bless you. Certainly a joy to be with you tonight and you are dismissed.